Good morning. Good to see everybody out this morning. We'll go ahead and get the service started. Let's all stand. Brother Tommy Meeks, would you start us off in prayer, please? Amen. Page 406.
may be seated. Pray for the choir. Mistakes I often sin, just common flesh and bones. And I'll prove someday just why I say I'm of a special kind. When he was on the cross, I was
see everybody. Just a couple of announcements real quick. Uh, Crusaders for Christ will start this coming Wednesday. Um, we're going to start eating at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're going to want to try to be done eating by 6.45 so we can start our, uh, our meeting for our, our, our Crusaders at 6.45. So kind of keep that in mind if you don't mind. Uh, next generation. There's still a sign-up uh, sheet out there. Uh, going to the Strippers game. Today is the last day to sign up. So if you're in interested in doing that, please go ahead and sign up. Uh, reason being, uh, Josh got to call and get the tickets and that kind of thing. Uh, so kind of remember that as well. Uh, we do have a, um, uh, the feedback slips in the pastor's office uh, for uh, Brother Josh and Nick. So if you hadn't had a chance to uh, write those out, fill those out, please do so uh, before you leave today if you don't mind. And just... Uh, Kind of recap what we got going on here. Uh, we got Brother Titus with us this morning. Please pray for him. Uh, next Sunday, we got uh, Cody Mills. Uh, he is not a candidate, but he'll be here next Sunday. And Derek Howard uh, in the evening. Uh, we got Casey Kerr coming back on the 20th and the 23rd. And Scotty uh, Baker on the 27th and the 30th. So remember those dates, if you don't mind. Thank you all very much. drop of blood that touched the ground cried Jesus saves Jesus saves the world of sin rejoice to hear the sound that Jesus saves Jesus saves Jesus saves, Jesus saves. The message of his arms stretched open wide was Jesus saves, Jesus saves.
Titus with us again today. He's one of ours, so uh, <clears throat> y'all just pray for him as he preaches today. Glad to have him back. Be back in the house of the Lord this morning. I appreciate the privilege and opportunity to be here. Apologize this morning for running behind and being sick at her stomach, nerves, I'm sure. And trying to find the will of God for the service this morning. I don't want to miss it. I want to be where God would have us to be. And I've prayed about it. Uh, some of you have heard me teach or preach on this thought before. But that's where the Lord keeps bringing our hearts to this morning. If you have your Bibles, it will be in the book of Genesis. Book of Genesis chapter number 6. Also in the book of uh, Hebrews chapter number 11. Uh, I'm just going to read a couple of verses real quick in Hebrews. And then we're going to. Uh, we're going to settle down in Genesis chapter number 6 for our thought this morning. Uh, once again, I do want to say it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to see everybody here today. A good crowd today. I told, I told Amanda when I, when I come in, I said, Lord, I, I, I would almost think it was homecoming or something. There's so many people this morning. And I sure do appreciate you being here. I just ask you to pray for us. We sure do need the Lord's help this morning. It don't matter if you get the greatest preacher in the world. He's still just a man outside of God's touch and God's help. And we sure do need him this morning. Hebrews chapter number 11. I want to read verse number 5 uh, down through verse number 7. The Bible said, By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which he is by faith. And we'll pick up in Genesis, uh, Genesis chapter number 6. We'll begin reading verse number 5. The Bible said, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth. 
and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make it of. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit thou shalt finish it above, and the door of the ark thou shalt set in the side thereof. With lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life. From under heaven and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark. To keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female. Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of, of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And, thou, and take thou unto thee all food that is eaten, thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee for the, and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him so did he. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, as we come before you once again, Lord, what an honor and what a privilege it is to be back in your house with your people this morning. Lord, I do thank you for each and every one that's here. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and the privilege to preach this morning. It's something that I don't want to take for granted or take lightly. Uh, God, it's a fearful thing to stand not only in front of your people, uh, but God, more importantly, to stand before you. Lord, we realize this morning... Lord, we're going to stand and give an account for everything that's said and done in our bodies here on this earth. Uh, uh, whether it be good or bad, Lord, we know that you're keeping a record. Even those secret things that, that nobody else may know about in our lives, God, you know. And you know exactly where we stand with you and what we stand in need of this morning. God, I pray that you just please touch us and help us, Lord, for a little while. God, to clear our hearts and minds of all other things and help us just to get our hearts and minds upon you this morning. I pray that you'd speak to us through the Word of God. I pray that the Holy Ghost of God this morning would have His will and way in every heart, on every pew. Lord, I pray especially, Lord, for those that may be here this morning that's lost, never been saved by the grace of God, that God the Holy Ghost would deal with their heart and, and convict them and show them their need, Lord, to be saved today, that today uh, might be the greatest day of their life and they put their faith and trust in you as their Savior and be saved. Lord, I pray this morning that you'd speak to those that are saved this morning. Uh, God, that you'd stir in our hearts, God, and remind us where we're at, Lord, and, and the day in which we're living in, God, to be diligent and to be busy, uh, Lord, about our Father's business and, and to have the watchful eyes, Lord, that we need over our family and our children, Lord, and these dark days in which we're living in. God, I pray that you please touch 
touch us and help us have your own way and all it's said and done. Uh, Lord, you know how feeble and how weak we are within ourselves, how helpless we are on our own. God, please don't leave us to ourselves. Uh, touch us and help us in spite of us. Lord, I pray. Uh, I pray God that you give liberty and option to preach that nobody would see me but they'd see you high and lifted up and hear from heaven that you'd do the preaching this morning. And Lord, all that you do, we'll try our very best to thank you and praise you for it. For it's in Jesus' precious and holy name I humbly pray. And amen. Very, very familiar scripture for our text this morning. I, I'm uh, confident that some of you have heard me uh, preach or teach on this thought, this subject before. Uh, but it's what the Lord keeps bringing to our heart and our mind. I had some other thoughts that I was looking at. Uh, but God keeps bringing us to, to this part, this passage of scripture. And so we look at this man by the name of Noah. We know, uh, we know him very well. If you've been in church any period of time in your life. Uh, sometime or another, whether in Sunday school or, or whether in the preaching of the Word of God, you've heard about this man by the name of Noah. I mean, even people that don't go to church, even people that ain't been raised in church, they've heard of Noah before. Uh, if anybody hears the name Noah, they automatically think of the ark. Uh, uh, whether they believe the Word of God, uh, uh, whether they trust the Lord as their Savior or not, they've all heard the story about Noah and the ark. We find this passage of scripture, we, we read some verses in Hebrews first, and there's a, a verse there in Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 7. It's talking about Noah, Noah and his actions and his faith uh, and what he accomplished for the Lord. Uh, it granted him passage, Brother Warren, in what we call today as the Hebrews Hall of Fame of Faith. I mean, that's what we consider Hebrews chapter number 11. Uh, it goes through some of the mighty men and women of God that done great and mighty things for the Lord. Uh, and it's like what we would call a hall of fame. I mean, they made it. Uh, they done something for God. They fulfilled the will of God in their life. Uh, and we find here that Noah made it uh, because of his obedience to the Lord and doing what God would have him to do. The Bible said that being warned of God, he moved with fear and prepared an ark to the saving of his house. The thought that the Lord's laid on our hearts for this morning is building an ark. Building an ark. I want to look at Noah and him building this ark. First of all, we look at Noah and his life. Uh, before there was ever a building of this ark, uh, uh, before God ever spoke to his heart and warned him of the judgment that was to come, uh, uh, we find a little bit about Noah. Uh, we find about his walk. The Bible said it's the first time that we... Uh, really find out much about Noah. The Bible said uh, uh, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. And the end of verse number 9, it says, And Noah walked with God. What a testimony. Say, preacher, that ain't saying much. It's saying a whole lot more than you think it is. To truly walk with God, I'm afraid a lot of us today, uh, uh, we don't even really know what all that entails. We've gone so far from God in our country in which we live in today, uh, uh, we don't even really know what that means hardly anymore. Most people uh, have no idea what that entails to truly walk with God. I want to say first of all, Noah's walk was a patterned walk. Somebody showed him how. Somebody didn't just tell him what to do. Uh, uh, somebody didn't have the mentality to do as I say and not as I do. Uh, uh, but they not only told him what to do, but they lived it in front of him. They were the example. Uh, they were the pattern to follow after. We got too many people today. Uh, uh, they want to live whatever way they want to. Uh, uh, but they don't want you to look at them or judge them or blame them. Uh, uh, they don't want their children to turn out like they do. Uh, uh, but they want to have their cake and eat it too. Uh, now son, you don't act like daddy. You don't do what daddy does. You don't say what daddy, what daddy says. Uh, I'll tell you what, just don't act like me. Uh, uh, you need to do something else. But I'm going to do what I want to do. 
We want to tell them what to do, but we don't want to show them. We don't want to live it in front of them. You can tell them you're blue in the face all day long, but they need to see it. There's, there's a lot of things that you can try to teach somebody how to do by telling them. But if you really want them to get a hold of Brother Terry, if you really want them to understand, uh, sometimes you just got to go over and actually show them what you're talking about. Show them and explain to them, describe to them, and demonstrate for them what it means to do what it is that you're describing to do. I'm glad Noah had a goodly heritage. They didn't just tell Noah what to do. They lived it in front of him. You say, oh, how do you know that, preacher? Uh, back up in Hebrews chapter number 11, those first two verses we read, verses 5 and 6, uh, we find that Noah wasn't the only one that walked with God. But Noah had a great grandpa by the name of Enoch. Uh, the Bible said that he walked with God uh, in, in, in chapter number 5 of Genesis. Uh, the Bible said in Hebrews chapter number 11 that he pleased God. You say, how do I please God? You walk with God. That pleases Him. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to be close with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to walk with you. If you want to please Him, walk with Him. That's what Enoch done. He walked with God, and therefore the Bible said that he pleased God. That was Noah's great-grandfather. We know the lineage of Noah. It tells us in Genesis chapter number 5 uh, how that... Uh, Enoch, Enoch lived and he walked with God and he begat Methuselah and Methuselah begat Lamech and Lamech begat Noah. I see his walk was patterned. If you want your children to turn out right and be what God would have them be, you're going to have to live it in front of them. Just tell them ain't good enough. That ain't good enough. That ain't going to cut it. That ain't going to work. They're going to watch you and they're going to do what you do. It don't matter what you say. They're going to do what you do. They're watching. They're watching. And they're watching a lot earlier than you think as well. You say, oh, they're little right now. They're watching just the same while they're little. They say, well, I catch my boys all the time doing things. You say, what are you doing? I'm doing what you're doing, Daddy. Where'd you learn how to do that? So I watched you do it, Daddy. They're watching. They're watching the example that we set in front of them. It was a pattern walk moving on. It was a personal walk. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Noah didn't depend on anybody else to walk with God. Matter of fact, in the passage of Scripture which we read, we don't find where anybody else was walking with God. Now, I don't know. Maybe his wife had a good walk with the Lord. Maybe his children even had a good walk with the Lord. But all we know for sure is Noah himself personally had a walk with God. It didn't matter. I don't believe it mattered if Noah's wife or if Noah's children or anybody else walked with God. Noah had a walk with God that didn't depend on other people. Can I stop and say to you this morning, if you're living for God and being faithful to church and doing what God wants you to do depends on the people around you, you won't last for long. Because people let you down. People will discourage you. People are going to mess up. They're going to fall. And if your walk depends on somebody else, uh, as soon as they quit walking, you're going to quit walking as well. Soon as mom and dad, if something happens to mom, I've seen it, and it breaks my heart. You see, you see moms and dads uh, how that raise their children in godly homes and do right in front of them. Uh, but just as soon as something happens to mom and daddy, how uh, there's something goes off in that, in that in the mind of their children, and they go totally in the opposite direction. You say, why is that, preacher? Because their walk depended on mom and daddy. It wasn't a personal walk. They did not have a personal relationship with the Lord. I'm glad mom and daddy can pattern the walk, but it's still a choice by the children. 
Yes, we need to pattern the walk. Yes, we need to be the example. But even after you do that, even after you pattern, and even after you be the example, there's still not a 100% guarantee uh, uh, that they're going to turn out just right because they still have a personal choice of their own. Just because somebody doesn't turn out exactly right don't mean mom and dad didn't do everything they could. It just means that God gives every man, boy and girl, a choice of their own. But I can tell you this, if you don't pattern in front of them, they got a lot less chance of turning out than if you do. A whole lot less chance. Nothing's guaranteed, but there's a lot greater chance if you live it in front of them that they'll take hold of it for their own lives. It's a personal walk. There's nobody else in the Bible, in this passage of Scripture, there's nobody else but knowing his family that cares anything about God. You know, that's surprising to me, Brother Terry. I guess growing up, because Noah's the only one mentioned in the Word of God. I guess I had it in my mind, Brother Clay, that Noah was the only child. I mean, you would think if, if other people was raised in the same kind of home and the same kind of atmosphere that Noah was raised in, that they would have turned out like Noah. So I just assumed since Noah's the only one, he was the only child. I just had that in my mind, I guess. But if you read the passage of Scripture, Lamech didn't just have Noah, but the Bible said that he got sons and daughters. So Noah had brothers and sisters that were raised in the same kind of home and the same lifestyle that Noah was. But Noah was the only one that walked with God. That's amazing to me. Nobody else in the entire family turned out but Noah. Nobody else cared anything about God. So as I said, there's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that your family or your children turn out exactly the way they should. But I promise you, if you don't try, there's a lot less chance. There's a lot less chance they're going to walk with God if they don't see you walk with God first. But it's still got to be a personal walk. Until they get saved by the grace of God. Until they have their own relationship with the Lord, it's not going to, it's not going to happen. They may do things out of obligation, out of duty, and because they don't want to hurt your feelings or, or because they're worried about what somebody else is going to think, but it's never going to truly take hold in their life until they have their own personal relationship. You can tell who's really serving the Lord out of a desire and out of a personal relationship out of their heart and who's doing it for somebody else. It's got to be personal. It has to be personal. There's a lot of people that that are struggling trying to do something for God because they know it's right, but they just can't seem to get where they need to go because something's missing. You can go over and read about those ten virgins that were waiting for the bridegroom to come. They were all in the right place. They were all doing the right things. They had their lamps there. They were in the right place. Uh, But half of them forgot their oil in their lamp. Uh, And when the bridegroom came, they didn't have anything to light their lamp and were left behind. I wonder tonight how 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 many church members I wonder how many church members, when the Lord does come back and carries us up out of here, I wonder how many people are going to be left sitting on the church pews. Oh, you go to church and you say all the right things because you've been taught and you know that other people are watching you and, and counting on you, but you've never had a true personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. You may have a profession. You may, you may not even have a profession. You've just been raised in it all your life and just thought that you're as good as everybody else. There's got to be a time and place when it becomes personal. When he, become, when he quits being just mom and daddy's God. I'm glad as a 13-year-old boy on Monday night of revival, he wasn't just mom and daddy's God no more. But I'm glad God, the Holy Ghost, convicted my heart, showed me I was lost and on my way to hell. And I went and cried out for mercy and asked God to save my soul. And it became real personal real quick. And he became my God, Brother Warren. 
There was something changed that day. It was a personal walk. There's nobody else but Noah and his family doing anything for God. Nobody else cares anything about God. Can I say to you, can I say to you this morning, the, 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 the group and the band of Christians that you started out with is probably a lot smaller now than it was when you first started. They're dwindling off the scene. They're falling off. People going different ways. It's got to be a personal walk. If you're depending on somebody else, you may not be here in a couple weeks. It's got to be personal. It was a personal walk. I want to say to you this morning, it was a profitable walk. Say, what are you talking about, preacher? It paid off. It was well worth his time and his effort. To live for God and to walk with God. You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Because the verse we read there in verse number 8 of chapter number 6 in Genesis. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. I don't find where anybody else, uh, anybody else in the day in which we read about here in Genesis. In this time in our history where anybody else found that grace. Now, God's grace was available to everybody because even after they got the ark built, God left the door open for seven days. And I believe anybody that wanted to, whether they swung one single nail or not, could have got on the boat and God would have saved them too. But nobody got on the boat. But Noah's the only one that found enough grace in the eyes of the Lord. He didn't, he didn't only have the, the chance to get on the ark, but God told him to build the ark. It was, whole, it was his whole reason why there was ever an ark to start with. Could it be because he walked with God? But that's why he found grace in the eyes of God. That's the only common denominator that I find. He's the only one walking with God. Therefore, he's the only one that found grace in the eyes of God. Can I say to you, it's well worth it. It's well worth it to live for God and to walk with God. Whether anybody else is walking with you. Uh, whether anybody else agrees with you. Whether anybody else seems to care. Uh, uh, whether anybody else seems to notice. Whether anybody seems to appreciate it. Uh, it's well worth walking with God. We're going to stand and give an account one day for everything we do in our bodies down here on this earth. And I promise you, we're not going to regret one thing that we've done for him. There's a lot of things I'm going to regret. I'll be the first to tell you, there's a lot of things, Brother Gene, I'm going to regret. There's things I'm going to stand and give an account for that I'm going to be ashamed of, wished I hadn't. But I promise you one thing this morning, there's never going to be a single thing, Brother Marty, that I've done for him that I'm going to ever regret. Not a thing. Not a thing. There's not, going to be, there's not going to be a single time I came to church I'm going to regret. There's not going to be a single time that I bowed my head to pray. There's not going to be a single time that I took time to open the word of God and read it. Uh, there's not going to be a single time that I, that I witnessed to somebody and told somebody about the goodness of God and his love and how they died for my God. There's not going to be a single time of those things that I regret. Not a time. It's profitable. It's worth it. When you... When you Trust the Lord and do what God wants you to do. And you see him work in his life and do things that only he can do. Things that you know you couldn't do for yourself. It's well worth it. I say this. It's not only worth it for you personally. But it's worth it for your family. <coughs> Had Noah not walked with God and found grace in the eyes of God. Noah wasn't the only one that would have died. But those three children and, and those daughter-in-laws and that wife of his would have died as well. I don't think God had to have Noah. I don't think God had to have any man. He could have created a whole new man out of the dirt of the ground like he did Adam and Eve if he had wanted to. He didn't need to, to, to start over with Noah and his family. He could have completely started over and made a whole new man, Brother Clay. He didn't need Noah. But Noah found grace in the eyes of God. He found grace. Notice his walk. Then I want to notice his warning. The Bible said that the earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, 
And behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. You see, that's where that grace of God comes in. You hear things from the word of God that nobody, you get things from God nobody else gets. You hear things and you find things. God will speak to your heart that nobody else knows anything about. And God warned Noah. He said, there's a flood coming. Judgment's coming. It repenteth me that I've even made the earth, that I've even made man because the wickedness, the violence, the corruption of man. And I'm going to wipe it all out. I'm going to wash it clean and start completely over. But because you walked with me, you found grace in my eyes. I'm going to let you in on it. And I'm going to tell you how you can escape it. If you'll just listen to me. He listened to what the Lord had to say about the coming judgment of God. It never even rained before up to this point. Noah probably had to stop and say, now wait a minute, what's rain? What is that? He'd never seen water fall from the sky before. He had no idea what he was talking about. There's a great flood coming, rain's going to fall. What are you talking about? Even things that he had never even seen before, but he trusted and believed God. What did it say in Hebrews eleven six? 6? He said, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. You've got to trust him and believe him when he, when he speaks to you, uh, when he warns you, when he sends a message your way. Uh, you've got to listen to him and believe him. It may be something uh, hard to believe. It may be something you've never seen or heard before. Uh, uh, but that's where trust and faith comes in. If you're going to please him, you'll have to do it with some faith. Noah moved with fear. Why did he move with fear? Because he believed God. He didn't think God was just playing or kidding or joking. He took God very seriously. God said, I'm going I'm to I'm send judgment. I'm going to wipe all of mankind off the face of the earth. And Noah believed God so much. The Bible said that he moved with fear. It troubled him. Deep down in his heart, it worried him. It troubled him. He believed God. And he believed that God was going to do uh, what he said he was going to do. And it caused him to take action. Bible says to be not only hearers of the word, but to be doers of the word. You can listen all day long. You can hear every message in the country preached. But until you actually take action and put foot to it and do something about it, it's still not going to do you any good. It's not going to benefit you. There's a lot of people sitting in church pews this morning that are lost as a goose in a hailstorm, never been saved by the grace of God. They're hearing the preaching of the Word of God, and they hear it. They hear the audible voice preaching. They sit in a pew. They may even hear the Holy Ghost speaking to their heart, but they never take action. They never do anything about it. Just sitting and listening ain't good enough. The Bible doesn't say if you come and sit and listen, you'll be saved. The Bible said, there, whosoever shall call. Upon the name of the Lord. You got to put action to it. You got to do something about it. You can hear the warning all day long. There could be a horrible storm out here right now. There could be tornadoes coming. The, the sirens could be going off. But if you don't take action and heed the warning, do something about it, you're going to get caught in the middle of it. Can I say to you this morning that judgment is coming, that God's not going to put up with the sin of this world for much longer? Uh, I do believe that we're living in perilous times. Uh, he said in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, this know also in the last days, perilous times shall come. And it gives us about 20 descriptive terms and words and references of what it would be like in the last days. And if you wanted to make you a checklist... And mark them off as you, as you go down the list. How you can check every single one of them off for 2023 in the United States of America, in which we live today. You can check every box off the list. 
Every box. We are living in last days. You say, preacher, I've heard that all my life. It don't change it. It don't change one bit. We're still living in last days. He didn't say how long the last days would be. He just said you'd know when you was in them. We don't know how many days last days is. We just know it's last days. And you can tell we're living in them. You can't tell me by looking at the, at the state in which this world's in tonight or, that, or this morning that we're not living in the last days. Check off the list. And it shouldn't surprise us. It upsets us. The Bible said it had to be this way. And I'm, I've made the statement to many people before, yeah, but that don't mean I got to like it. I don't like it, but I can't change it. I can't stop it because the Bible said that it would be this way. He said in 2 Timothy 3, uh, verse number 13, I believe it is, it said, For evildoers and seducers would wax worse and worse. It also talks about there'd be a time when people would not endure sound doctrine. They would not endure it. Brother Mark, that means they've heard it. They've listened to it before, but they will no longer listen to it. They'll no longer endure it. They'll change their mind and decide, that ain't for me. That ain't what I want to hear anymore. They said they'd heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to go and listen to a different kind of message. They don't want to hear about where they stand with God and, and what thus saith the Word of God. They want to go and let somebody tell them how good they are and make them feel real good about themselves. You can feel good about yourself all the way to hell one day if you want to. That's not going to save anybody. People need to know their sin condition, that they're lost, that they're dying in their sin, that Christ died on the cross of Calvary uh, to save them for their sin, from their sins. Telling people how good they feel is going to lead a, a multitude of people straight to hell. Not even realizing it. They're missing the mark because they're being led astray. It said evil men and seducers. Not everything that sounds good is right. Just because it sounds good don't mean it is good. The devil's the greatest deceiver that's ever lived. And he's deceiving people left and right every day. Talking about building an ark. If you want to save your family, if you want your family to go to heaven with you one day, you better get to building an ark. I'm not talking about a physical ark, but a spiritual ark. The lifestyle and the home that you build your family to live in and grow up in is what will dictate where your family spends eternity. How many of you is building an ark? You're doing everything you can to keep your family safe from the things of this world and to tell them about the Lord so that they trust Him as their Savior. Many of us this morning got children. They're not quite to that age yet. They're not quite understanding what it means to be lost and to be saved yet. But there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when the Holy Ghost of God convicts their heart. They're going to realize they're a sinner, that they're lost, that they need to be saved. And I hope and pray you've got them in the house of God in the right place when it happens. I hope you've given enough of the Word of God to them and prayed with them enough that they'll know what to do when that time comes. That they'll know who to turn to and they'll know how to pray and seek the Lord when the Holy Ghost convicts their heart. There have been a lot of youngins. They felt that tough, but they had no idea, Brother Terry, what to do about it. No idea. Nobody told them. Nobody prayed with them. Nobody showed them. They had no idea. They probably would have if they knew what to do. I don't know about you, but I remember how uncomfortable it was to be lost and be convicted under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. I remember that better than anything. I remember when I got saved that night, Brother Marty. I don't remember everything I prayed. I don't remember everything the preacher preached. But I sure do remember every ounce of conviction I've ever felt. I was never, never so uncomfortable in all my life. Scared to death of dying and going to hell. 
Could not wait for the preacher to get done. As soon as he said every head bowed and every eyes closed, I about knocked my mama in the floor. I need to do something. I need to do business with God. I didn't want to die lost and got without God and go to hell. He heeded the warning. He began to work. He began to build. And not only did he heed it, but he had a hidden time frame. God didn't tell him how long it's going to be. Did you ever notice that? God never gave him a time frame. God never said, in this amount of years, I'm going to let it start to rain. He had no idea. For all Noah, could, for all Noah knew, it could be tomorrow. So he had to get busy right then and there. He had to start working on this great, great ark, this boat that God tells him to build. If you, he didn't have to build the boat. He didn't have to take action. He didn't have to heed the warning. He didn't have to nail the first nail if he didn't want to but his family would have died. You don't have to live for God. You don't have to be an example to your children. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to do any of that. But your family will die if you don't. Your family's going to get swallowed up with the rest of this world if you don't. He heeded the warning. He had a hidden time frame. We don't know. We believe based on the Word of God that we're living in the last days. But we don't know when the very last day is going to come. We don't know the day. The Bible said not even the angels in heaven know the day nor the hour. He said, I believe it's in Matthew chapter number 24. He said, if the watchman of the house had known the, night, the hour that the thief cometh, he had been watching, he had been ready for him. He had been ready and waiting, but he didn't know. And it caught him off guard. You just best be ready all the time because you don't know when he's coming. It could be today. It could be August the 6th, 2023 on a Sunday morning. Uh, Gabriel could get his trumpet and begin to blow. Uh, and those of us that are saved by the grace of God will go through the split clouds in the air. Uh, I'm glad there's a happy day coming. You notice the word of God. I believe it's in Luke chapter number uh, 17. He talks about in the last days how that it would be like Noah. And how it would be like Lot. As soon as Noah got on the ark. Floods begin to come. As soon as, as soon as Lot got out of Sodom, the fire began to fall. As soon as we leave out of here, friend, as soon as God gets his children home, uh, the judgments were gone again. You just think things are bad now. You just think things are rough now. This may be some, this may be some small judgment on our country that we're facing now. I wouldn't doubt that. But this ain't nothing like the tribulation that's to come. This is nothing like what it's going to be after the rapture takes place. Not a drop in the bucket. Say, preacher, you're just trying to scare people and just trying to sound all big and bad. I'm just trying to share with you what the Word of God says and what God put on my heart. You can take it whichever way you want to. I'm just a messenger this morning, but I'm telling you, we need to get a spiritual ark. We need to build an ark to the saving of our house because judgment is coming. I want to notice not only the warning, but I want to notice the work. God tells him. Now, you know, God could have just gave him an ark. God could have just spoke, a, spoke the word, Brother Terry, and there could have been an ark appeared sitting there on the ground, and he could have just gave it to him and said, there you go, just get on board. But God didn't do that. God didn't do that. For about 100 years, Noah builds on this ark. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. It was intense work. They didn't have Lowe's or Home Depot down the street to go get a big bucket of nails and a load of lumber. They had to cut down every tree. Whether they, whether, whether they made wooden pegs or, or made nails out of some way or another, forged or whatever. I don't know how they done it, but I know it was hard work. 
This thing was no small building. It was a great, it was a great work. It was intense. A lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, I don't know how much Noah's wife and his daughter-in-law's help, but Noah, all the help that he had was those three sons. Four men begin to build. That's very, pretty much, especially his children, that's their life's work. I mean, from the time they were young, every day they were getting up and working on this ark. I mean, they've poured everything they've got into it, Brother Clay. They've worked as hard as they can work. Can I say to you this morning, anybody that tells you that, that living for God's a bed of roses and you'll never have a single care of worry is lying to you. They are lying to you. Bible says that it rains on the just and the unjust. Just because you live for God doesn't mean that nothing bad's ever going to come into your life and happen to you. That's not true. That's not the case. I believe some people's heard some of those people lying to them saying, oh, you live for God, there'll never be nothing bad ever happen to you. And the first time, Brother Terry, something bad happens to them, that's why they quit going to church, that's why they quit reading their Bible and praying, why they don't have anything to do with God now because they believe somebody when they said that nothing ever bad would ever happen to you. I ain't trying to discourage you this morning, but I've seen some of the, some of the greatest people I've ever known that walk with God go through some horrible things. I'm not trying to discourage you at all. I'm just saying good things and bad things happen to everybody, saved or lost. But I'm glad those of us that are saved have a helper that, know, that this world don't know anything about. We know what it's like to experience the good grace of God that makes all the difference in this world. Yes, you may go through problems and troubles and storms and trials. Uh, you may experience heartache, uh, but I'm glad there is something known as the grace of God and peace of God that passes all understanding that this lost world doesn't know anything about. He did promise us that we wouldn't go through some things, but he did promise us as we go through them that his grace would be sufficient. That's what makes a difference. It was hard work. It was intense. Not only was it intense work, but it was instructed work. God told them exactly how to build it. Exactly how to build it. I mean, not only the measurements, the exact measurements, but even the exact material. Make it this big. Oh, and by the way, don't use just any kind of wood. I want it out of gopher wood. I don't know why all the details, why it was so specific on even the materials, but that's the way God wanted it to be. We may not always understand everything God tells us to do. Everything may not always make perfect sense to you. That's where faith comes in. Don't you think for just a second, as they begin to cut all those gopher wood trees that are nearby the build site, the further they had to go to get another gopher tree, the further they had to go to get more gopher wood, and the further and further... And there's a great big oak sitting there right beside the ark. Don't you think for one second they thought, boy, it'd be a lot easier. It'd be a lot quicker we just go ahead and cut this oak down and throw a few of them boards in there. It sure would help things out a whole lot. But they couldn't do that. That ain't what God said to do. Say, preacher, it'd be a lot easier. Instead of doing what God said to do, it'd be a whole lot easier if we just did this. I know what the Bible says, but preacher, this right here ain't that important. If we skip over this, if we set this, to, set this aside, it ain't going to really make much of a difference. I beg to differ. Not to mention 
You start letting the little things slide. Next thing you know, you start letting some of the big things slide. Oh, this don't really matter anymore either. First of all, at first it'd be a, a few boards of oak. Then they'd throw in some pine or some cedar, some maple. Next thing you know, you've got all kinds of different kinds of wood in there. And guess what? When the rains came, you've got no guarantee of anything floating. You go to the store and you buy something. And it may come with a warranty. But there's some fine print under that warranty. Say something happens and it breaks or it tires up and you try to go and return it, Brother Terry. And you try to give it back to them. You say it's tore up, it's broke. One of the first things they're going to do is inspect it. See if it's been properly used. To see if it's been used the right way or if it's been abused. Did you know that when you buy some, th some things, uh, if you don't use them for their intended use or you abuse them, you can void your warranty. And they won't accept that product back. It ruins the warranty. It's no longer guaranteed. It's the same way the Word of God. If we don't do things the way God tells us to do, we can void our warranty. We will no longer have the guarantee uh, that when the floods come, that our family's going to be safe in the ark if we don't do it His way. Say, preacher, King James Bible ain't that important. It's not that big a deal. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. It can get real quiet. A lot of people set that aside and said it don't matter. It don't make it ain't that big a deal. You leave out portions of the word of God, change the word of God, you've, you've left your guarantee. You no longer have your guarantee. You take the blood out of it. You take this out of it. You take that out of it. You no longer have the guarantee of going by the word of God and doing what it says and everything will be okay. Take the blood. The Bible said without the shedding of blood... There's a reason why he wrote it exactly the way that he did. I believe we have an infa infallible, inerrant Word of God inspired by the Word of God with, that men's hands were pinned down by the leadership of the Holy Ghost. And he wrote it exactly the way he wanted to. We have what we need. We don't need man's help, man's ideas, man's philosophies, man's opinions. We don't need to change the grammar or the English. It's exactly what we need. Our problem ain't the instructions, it's that we just don't follow them. We don't need new instructions, we just need to read the ones that we have. I'll never forget before Walker was born, some of you heard me tell this before, I'll never forget before Walker was born, he's all excited and everything. Somebody in the family bought us a little bassinet, a little portable bassinet. And we was there at Goggy's house, those of you that know us know who that is. I'm sure everybody here knows who that is. We was at her house, and they wanted to see what it looked like. They wanted to pull it out of the box and see what that brand new portable bassinet looked like. And you got to love the words on the side of the box, some assembly required. I pulled that thing out of the box, and it didn't look nothing like a bassinet. Pieces all over the floor. It also had a little sheet of paper in there with it. But like most people, that piece of paper just got set to the side. I said, it's just a bassinet. How hard can it be? How hard can it be? It's no big deal. I don't need no instructions. I got this. I want it to look big in front of everybody. I'm the new daddy to be. I can take care of things. I got this. 
And I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. And Brother Joshua, after an hour or so, he still didn't look no more like a bassinet than when I pulled it out of the box. Guess what the new big bad daddy-to-be got to do? Swallow some pride in front of everybody and ask for those instructions. I found out I really don't know how to do this after all. And I know, I know that's funny and, and, and all well and good. But can I say to you, as I got married and I started a home of my own, I found out real quick, Brother Gene, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea, Brother Warren. I had no idea how to be a husband. I didn't even really know real good how to be a grown man, much less a husband. I might look like a grown man in stature, but in my mind, I was far from a grown man. Immature, young and dumb. That's just all I know how to say it. But I thought, I know what I'm doing. I found out real quick, like I didn't know what I was doing. I found out I couldn't do it on my own. I found out real quick. I had to go find some instructions. What mom and daddy says is real good. What grandma and grandpa says is real good. But only God knows specifically what you need personally for your heart and your home. That's why we go to His Word. That's why we let Him speak to us through His Word. You want to know what to do in your life and with your family? Go to the Word of God and see what He has to say about it. You can find it there. It may take a little searching. But I'm glad He's a rewarder of them that diligently... Seek Him. If you diligently seek Him, He'll reward you for it. You'll find what you're looking for. It was an instructed work. We've got to go by the instructions. Can't leave anything out. Can't change anything. There's a reason why He said to do it the way He did. Can I say to you this morning, the devil's got a target on you and your family. I mean a big target. And some of you this morning, if you're not careful, you're not living for God, and you're not staying close to God and praying and asking God to keep the hedge round about your family, He's zeroing in. He's turning on the scope, and Brother Jeff, He's about to get it dialed in to make a fatal shot to our families. He's done took some of them out. Some good godly families, Brother Leo, that I never dreamed would have been vulnerable to Satan's attacks, but He got in. He found a little hole, a little crack somewhere through some, some way or another. And he found a way in. And he done exactly what the Word of God said he would do. The Lord said in John 10, 10, For the thief cometh not to, but to steal, kill, and do destroy. And that's exactly what he's doing to the homes across this world today, especially in our country in which we live in. He is destroying our homes. The battle, the struggle is over the homes because our churches will only be as strong as our homes are. You can have the biggest, prettiest church in the world, but the church will only be as strong as the homes that make it up. And the devil has a great big target on your home. Why do you think that homosexuality is being pushed so hard in front of us right now? It is an attack by Satan on our home. He's trying to break up what God instituted. God made the home before He ever made the church. God brought a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, together uh, and brought them together and made a family. Uh, and that's exactly the way God intended it to be then. Uh, and it's exactly the way that God intends it to be now. Say, preacher, we're in a Baptist church. We ain't got a problem with that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I hear about it more and more and more. 
I was, I was shocked what I heard just this last week on this very subject. It happens even in churches. Nobody's exempt. Nobody's above the rule. It don't matter who you are, where you come from, or how good of a family you think you've got. You've got a vulnerable spot somewhere, and Satan's looking real hard to find it. Pornography is a major problem, and not just in worldly families, but in Christian families today. Social media has made it so easy to do things that men and women that are married to somebody else should not do. Why do people like Snapchat so much? I hate Snapchat. Some, somebody sends you a picture or something. It may be a family member of a child or a niece or nephew, and it's gone. I don't like that. I want to keep that picture. But some people sure do like Snapchat. Maybe it's because they know that it will be deleted, disappear, so other people don't see it. I know it's quiet. But I'm just sharing what God put in my heart this morning. Facebook and all these different apps make it real easy to say stuff to another man's wife. You'd never say it in front of them. That's why the divorce rate's sky higher, higher than it's ever been before. We're in the last days. This know also, perilous times shall come. And if you want your family to make it, if you want that song to be true with a, with, a, with a circle, be unbroken. When you get to heaven, you better do all that you can to build a spiritual ark to the saving of your house. You say, nobody knows, preacher. God knows. God knows all about it. Now, he's not a one of us here this morning. I ain't never messed up sometime or another. But you better do all you can to protect your family. If there's, some, if there's a way that the devil's clawing and getting his way in, you better close the door. You better seal it up. Not just our marriages, not just husbands and wives, but also our children. If you turn your young child loose with a phone or the internet in your home and let him do whatever you want to or, or, or a computer or whatever, and you let them get on the internet and do whatever they want without you having any supervision whatsoever, you just as well as turning loose a spiritual rattlesnake in your home. You're just turning it loose. I hope they don't get bit. I hope they don't get bit. I hope it don't get them. I'd rather keep it out of the house to start with. I'd rather not give it opportunity to get my children. Say, preacher, that, that's awful hard. I don't want nothing happening to my boys. My boys are worth way more than society and popularity and the, and the status quo. My children are worth protecting. Say, what are you talking about, preacher? I know how easy everything is. Satan's got more devices, more tools to work with than he ever has before. That's why even the greatest families are vulnerable. Some of my heroes, Brother Jeff, men of God that I looked up to greatly, my heroes, it happened to them. People far better than me this morning. Who in the world am I to think that it couldn't happen to me? God, help us. Our homes are in trouble. God, help us to shelter, to protect to build that ark. He said not only to build it with gopher wood, but to pitch it within and without with pitch. I don't want to leave a single crack uncovered. 
I don't want no worry in where water can get into the ark and cause us not to float. I want to pitch it all in as well as I can. The work. It was instructed. It was intense. It was important. From this moment on, from the day that God spoke to Noah and told him of the judgment that was to come, there was nothing else that became more important in Noah's life than getting that ark built. Brother, Brother Warren, that was all that Noah was cared about after that point. We got to get this built. We got to get this done. It could start raining tomorrow. We got to get to work. That was the most important thing. It didn't matter what the brave score was. It didn't matter if Georgia won or not. It didn't matter, it didn't matter who was president. It didn't matter. It, it, no, nothing else in the world mattered to him except getting that ark built for his family. It took precedence over everything else. It didn't matter about t-ball practice. It didn't matter about it, it didn't matter about anything. Nothing else mattered except making sure his family was safe. We've let a lot of other things take precedence over the over the Lord, and we're feeling the effects of it. I'm right now done. I'm not here to make nobody mad. I'm just being honest with us tonight. I'm just being honest. Not only the work, I'll say this, and I'm done. But thank God there was some worship when it was all said and done. Because Noah done what God told him to do. Because Noah obeyed God and trusted him, believed with faith and moved with fear. When the rains began to fall and the waters began to rise and they could feel that boat start to begin to lift off the ground and begin to float, no doubt they could hear people beating and banging on the door. People hollering and crying, even children, Brother Warren, begging to be let in. But they waited too late and they missed their chance. They missed their chance at the grace of God. One day, if we're not careful, we're going to miss our chance. You're going to miss your chance. You're going to turn the Lord away one too many times. And one day, the grace of God's going to be gone. You're going to miss your chance to get on board. But as those were beating and banging and hollering on the boat, eventually the waters got so deep after a while, sadly the beating and banging and the hollering stopped. It got quiet. All they could hear was the rainfall for 40 days and 40 nights. Probably an eerie thing when, when all the beating and banging and crying stopped. It, was all, it, it all ended. Everybody else is gone. Nobody's left alive but Noah and his wife and his three sons and daughter-in-laws. Probably a quiet few days. Probably some people they knew on the outside. They might have recognized some of those voices that they heard. Now those voices are no longer there. Nothing they can do about that. I believe Noah preached and I believe Noah tried to warn but nobody wanted to listen. But thank God as the rains are falling and that boat's floating out on that water, there's a daddy that can bring his wife and his children, still bring them around his arms. Even though everybody else is gone, he can bring them into his arms and still hold them and know that everything's okay because he minded God. And when, and when the waters subsided and they got on dry land, the first thing that Noah done 
was he went over there and he built him an altar. And he got down on that altar and made sacrifices to God. Because God was worthy. Had God not been merciful and gracious to Noah and his family, they'd have perished with everybody else. We ought to go ahead and do it down here before we get over there. It'd be real good if we went ahead and made us an altar on this side. Uh, you say, preacher, I'm saved. As far as I know, all my family's saved. Uh, friend, you've got something to thank God for for all eternity. Uh, I'd be ashamed not to go ahead and start ahead of time and go ahead and make us an altar and get down and begin to worship Him, uh, uh, realizing how unworthy and how undeserving we are and where we'd be this morning uh, had He not died on the cross uh, to pay our sin debt. He's worthy. I'm glad one day when we get to heaven, we can really worship. We can worship like we're, like, like we're supposed to. I don't want somebody to have to teach me how, though, Brother Clay. I want to worship Him now. There's nothing that says that we've got to wait till we get over there to thank Him and to worship Him and give gratitude and praise for what He's done in our lives. There's nothing that says we've got to wait. You know why our churches are struggling so bad? I believe one of the biggest problems in our country today, not lost folk. Lost folks never seen the holiness of God. But saved folk have lost sight of how holy God is. We've lost sight of the fact that God's holy, He's mighty, He's majestic, He's Lord of lords, He's King of kings. There is nobody greater or higher than Him. And we've lost sight of that. Most churches today just want to portray the Lord as a buddy. He's just a buddy that you can hang around with or that you can call when you need some help. He's not just some buddy that, to, for you to call on when you need something. He is the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. If we continuously kept the right view of Him and His holiness, you wouldn't have to worry about how people acted and what, how people dressed. You wouldn't have to worry about that. They'd be ashamed to when they seen God and how holy He is. They'd be ashamed to do that. Because He sees everything. He sees what you look like when you go out and about. And you wouldn't even care about anybody else. You'd just be ashamed to do that in front of Him. Those cherubims are flying around Him day and night. Day and night, Brother Warren, they never cease. They're, they're, they're catching every view of Him and His holiness. And that's all they can say is holy, holy, holy. He's holy. If we seen and kept in mind how holy He is, we'd change the way we did a lot of things. We'd be ashamed to act and dress and do the things that we do in front of Him and His holiness. He's holy. They fly around nonstop. That's all they do. They cry, holy, holy, holy. Everywhere they look, Brother Gene, they're flying on. All they see is the holiness and the glory of God. We've lost sight of that. God's not just somebody this morning. I'm glad He is a friend. That's to you closer than a brother. Don't take me wrong this morning. I'm glad He is the dearest friend you'll ever have. But He's also a holy God that deserves reverence. And deserves our praise and our worship. You ain't got to worry about what anybody else says or does or how they look at you. Worry about Him. 
We're not the rule. You say, well, I'm better than so-and-so. I'm not as bad off as so-and-so. We're not the rule. He's the standard. And even on your very best day, you'll never, you'll never come close to the holiness of God. It's not a drop in the bucket. The Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. He's holy. And we should reverence Him as such. It changed a lot of things if we realize, hey, I'm glad there was some worship. After the work was over, after the judgment had passed, there was some worship. Now, I'm glad, thank God, there's going to be some worship one day. But there can be some worship today. I don't know your heart. If you don't mind coming and getting us a song on the piano this morning. As we stand this morning, I've tried my best to share with what the Lord's laid on my heart. I'm not here to, to make anybody mad or point any, anybody out. I just want to mind the Holy Ghost. If the Holy Ghost spoke to your heart, that's, that's, that's Him doing the speaking. I don't know anything in your life this morning. I don't know anything about what's going on in your life. No idea. If God points something out, it's because He knows, not because I know. He knows this morning. Maybe He sent a warning your way. Maybe you need to do some things different in your life to keep from losing your family one day. Some people, dis some people may disagree with this, but not, at, not all families will, will make it to heaven. We know that. There's going to be some family members that never make it and they're going to die lost out God and go to hell. The Bible tells us that there's going to be a time when God shall wipe away all tears. And we know that that's talking about at the great white throne judgment. And we know what happens at the great white throne judgment. How that those that rejected Christ and His free gift of salvation will be cast into eternal lake of fire. Why would it be that God wipes away our tears? I wonder if it ain't because we're seeing some loved ones. Maybe even some children or some moms and dads being cast in the lake of fire to never, ever be seen ever again. I wonder if there'll be some daddies. I wonder if there'll be some mamas see some children cast in that awful eternal torment and wonder, did I do all that I could possibly do for my family? Did I build as hard as I could build? Did I work as hard as I could work? Was it precedence in my life? Was it priority in my life and my home to take care of my family and, and to mind God and, and be what God would have us to be? Did I do all I could do? Are they going to hell because I let them down? Say, preacher, you're just trying to tire people up and upset people. I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. I don't want that to happen to me and I love you this morning. I don't want that to happen to you. I'm not mad at anybody this morning. But I'm worried about our children and our families dying and going to hell. God, help us do all that we can. We was in meeting week before last. Went and heard Brother Keith Allison preaching. He's over there preaching about that, that woman that was, that was weeping as they was carrying her son that had died out of the city at the temple gates. She was weeping over her son. And the Bible said that the Lord had compassion on his mother and went and healed her son. Not for her son's sake, but because of his mother's sake. He's laying our dead. Bro, Leo, he don't even know that he needs the Lord. But because of his mother's tears, because of his mother's weeping, God saved her son. Your children may not even know that they need salvation yet, but could it be that God will save one day uh, because of your tears 
because of your weeping, because of your distress worrying about them. When's the last time you cried over your children? When's the last time that you truly bowed on your face and got on your knees and said, God, I don't want to ask for nothing else but for you to save my children. God, I'm not here to pray or to talk about anything else. Lord, I just want you to please save my children. When's the last time? Have you ever done it? Have you ever really got on your face and did nothing but just pray and ask God just for your children? This morning be a good time to start. This morning this altar be a good place to do it. I know your heart. I've done my best. My God, I ask you to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost this morning. He speaks to your heart. My God, we sure do need him this morning. We sure do need him. If you're here this morning, you're lost. There have been saved by the grace of God. You can meet him today. You can get on board the ark and be saved. You don't have to die lost without God and go to hell. You can escape the judgments that's to come. If you'll trust him as your Savior, he's already paid to sin debt. Now's not the time to skip church. Now's not the time to skip daily devotional reading with your family. It's not time to skip family prayer, family altar. Now's the time to do it more than ever because the devil's got a target on your family. He's got a bullseye and he's honing in. He's getting real close if you ain't careful. Whatever it is that you're messing with or doing that nobody else knows about, you better be real careful. He's, he's zeroing in. He may be getting real close to a lethal shot. Oh, God help us. Our families are in trouble. We need the Lord's help this morning. There's help to be found if you'll ask Him. He had compassion on His mother. in my heart say preacher nobody knows nobody's going to find out it's only going to be a certain amount of time eventually it always all comes out and everybody's going to know if you don't stop it right now whatever it is if you don't put a stop to it if you don't put an end to it in your life and get right with God it's going to come out it's going to come to an end it always eventually comes out. If you play around long enough, it comes out. Best go ahead and get it, get it right, get it fixed before it gets to that point, whatever it may be. I'm not mad at nobody. I love you this morning. I just tried my best to share with you the burden that's on my heart. I love you and I thank God for you. 
Appreciate you.